Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Rusty Gaylord about inner tech and breaking the code to unlock your personal and leadership potential. Rusty Gaylord, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. Super happy to be here with you today. Yeah, I am super excited to chat with you. We're going to be exploring this idea of inner tech. Uh, I'm super excited to unpack that with you and, and learn more about what you mean by that. And this idea of breaking the code from your book, and you're going to dissect that for us as well. Ultimately, all of this is to unlock our personal and leadership potential and how we interact in our you know, personal lives at home, in our communities, and of course at work and interact effectively with those around us. As we get started, I wanted to share Rusty's bio with everybody. Former worldwide director of finance at Apple, Rusty Gaylord left his 25-year corporate career to help other successful leaders escape a trap. As an executive coach, corporate trainer, and sought-after speaker, Rusty helps high achievers experience more freedom and take their success to the next level. The best-selling author of Breaking the Code, Rusty has over a decade of personal and professional development experience and plenty of life lessons. He was certified as a coach in 2018, and he lives in Silicon Valley with his wife and teenage son. Uh, Beautiful background. Uh, Anything else you would like to share with listeners before we dive on into the conversation? Uh, let's go. I'm I'm ready to ready to dig in. Okay, excellent. So so let's start with this idea of inner tech. You in your book you use technology as a metaphor for achieving goals, and this idea of inner tech is is interlaced. Uh, what does that mean, and how do we leverage that kind of a concept in upgrading um, our efforts and achieving our goals? Inner tech is exactly. I use it as a metaphor. So if you think about technology, think about your phone that you use on a daily basis. You've got the hardware, you've got the device itself, then you have an operating system, whether it's Android or iOS, and then you've got applications. The only reason you have a phone, the only real purpose, the only value you get from it is the apps, right? You want to be able to make phone calls, you want a calendar, you want to be able to browse Facebook, whatever it is, you use the apps on your phone. So if you think about that and the think about the parallel in your own life. You've got the hardware, which is you. You are the hardware. You've got an operating system, which is your beliefs and assumptions about the world and the way the world works. And then you have apps, which is your experience of the world. It's the job that you have. It's the family. It's the relationships. It's your personal well-being and health. You can think of all of those things as apps. Those are the reasons that you find enjoyment in life. It's all of those things. It's your relationship, your health, your work, and so on. Most of us then think about When we want to upgrade, what do we do? Well, we say, oh, well, I want a new app. I want a new job. I want to earn more money. I want a better and deeper and more intimate relationship. 
But the way we go about that is we go looking for a different app. But sometimes the apps we're looking for are not compatible with the operating system. So the, the, the point of this, of this analogy is to say, hey, it's great and you should absolutely design the kind of apps that you want and pick those. But sometimes you gotta go down to the operating system, which is your assumptions and beliefs and the way you think about the world. And you need to look at that because some of the apps just are not compatible with your operating system. And I'll give you a really simple example of that, John, which is I remember talking to someone who, you know, we were talking about what possible career move he could make. And he said, well, I'm naturally cynical. And I thought that was so interesting. And, you know, my first re reaction to that is, you know, that's a choice, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, he just assumed this is a feature of my operating system and it's who I am. And he declared it as if it was who he was. But it's, uh, you know, looking at those little pieces of what are those assumptions and beliefs? How do you see yourself in the world? Because that's going to dictate what you can accomplish. Yeah, I really like that idea. And challenging those internal assumptions uh, about our own identity, about how we interact with the world uh, is, is a healthy thing to, to go through. And, and I think it's partly what's at play here as we are in the midst of this, you know, what's been coined the great resignation. Um, you know, we've, we've lived through this pandemic. People, for the first time, many people have been thrust into a situation where they have an opportunity to step back, to pause, to, to think, to recalibrate and practice that self-reflection and challenge some of their common assumptions about life, the way they work, the type of work that they do, all of those sorts of things. And in many cases, I think many people are really um, kind of rewriting that base code and you know their, their operating system. And they're saying, you know what, what I've been doing isn't working and it's not for me anymore. And that's um, partly what's at play here uh, with, with uh, the great resignation. And it's healthy for us to always be going through that self-reflective process, regardless of whether we decide we need to, you know, rewrite our, our, our core operating system or just make slight adjustments. I agree completely. The, so much of, especially for successful people, so much of our life has been oriented around intense pursuit of success. It's just, you know, it, more is always the goal right? More salary, more responsibility, bigger house, bigger car. It's, it's almost part of the American ethos, right? That that's, that's what we are always striving for. And as you just described, over the last couple of years, so many constraints have been put on our lives. It's really caused a lot of people to examine, what am I going for? What am I pursuing? Am I like this notion of success, which normally to people means an external definition of success, something you can observe, again, the house, the car, the salary, people are starting to question that and say, what is success for me? What is a successful life? I see so, and I talk to so many people who are pursuing freedom. What they really want is freedom. So it's, but they, they assume they can't have it now. It's always, well, once I retire, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Or once I have this financial security, then I can do X, Y, Z. Once I get this certain job or get married or the kids go to school or whatever, there's always these conditions. And, you know, more and more, all of us in the last couple of years have also been had to come face to face with the truth that life can be short. We really never know how long we have here. We assume we have many years ahead of us and hopefully we do, but we don't know. And why wait? Why wait to do the things that we want to do? And I think that there is a movement towards 
stepping into the kind of life you want to create for yourself, which in my book is true success. You have to find what is success for you and you have to define that and live it because that's the only thing that matters. At the end of the day, you're going to look back on your life and say, was it a good life? How did I do? And it's, it's only measuring up to your own definition of success that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, this isn't new. The, the pandemic, I think, has brought things into sharp relief for a lot of people, maybe in ways that, um, you know, they hadn't thought of before. Um, but the whole idea of like mid-career or mid-life crisis is not new. Uh, people have been dealing that, with that for a long time. And I think at the root of a lot of, you know, what people experience when they're going through a midlife crisis is just they've been living towards other people's expectations and trying to fit with what their family or society or, you know, their own internal expectations of what success looks like. And then they, they find that it's just not satisfying. <laughs> so they get 10, 20, 30 years into their life, into their career, into their marriage, whatever. And it's not working for them. It's not fulfilling. And then essentially, eventually, you know, people, uh, many people get to the point where they decide to make a change. Uh, other people stick it out and they, you know, end up either figuring a way to make it work or they are miserable. <laughs> and so it really, the, the pandemic has, has forced people to, to reassess. And in many ways, that's been super healthy. And uh, so I, I think all of that's, that's really great. And ultimately we need to um, think about what our inner tech is, what drives us, uh, what's most important to us. Something else you said that I think is super important that I think is is generally applicable, but also particularly uh, applicable to younger uh, individuals, uh, young millennials, Gen Z, is this idea of just bucking the trends, kind of distrust of institutions, and just wanting freedom, freedom in life. And so they're they're choosing to focus on what matters most to them in terms of how they perceive their career, working with organizations, uh, the rise of the gig economy, you know, continues to to go up and up. And so more and more uh, younger workers in particular are kind of opting out of the traditional system. And they're just saying, eh, that's not for me. I want more freedom. I have to admit, I, I've shared it on, on this podcast before, but one of my dreams is I would love, I would love, love, love to sell my house, get like uh, uh, a tiny house or like a camper van and just work remotely and travel around and go and see places and just be free, free of uh, everything associated with all the stuff <clears throat> that I get bogged down with um, in with my home. Now, my wife tells me I'm crazy because I do have six children, and uh, that probably is not a particularly uh, functional dream at this point in time. But there are elements of it that are absolutely possible right now as I declutter my life, as I practice minimalism, as I uh, focus on mindfulness practices, and those sorts of things. Those are things I absolutely can do right now and will enhance the way I interact with the world. Um, so I, but I just have to choose to do it. Mm, yeah. There's, there's so many good things in what you're just talking about, John. The uh, one is just this trend towards the midlife crisis happening younger and younger, which I th actually think is a really good thing. And I, you know, it's not so much a midlife, cri midlife crisis, you know, kind of has a bad rap, but it's really this question, this coming to a point in your life when you start to question the why, and that matters. That's an important question. And the earlier you get to that, the better. So I just think, you know, for those people who are earlier in their career and just thinking about why am I doing this? What does this mean? What is the purpose? What is a good life? What impact do I want to have on the world? Those are wonderful questions to be thinking about at any and point. You don't, the, the old conventional wisdom was you put in your, you pay your dues, you put in your time, you work 
you're, you, you live your life, you, you have a career. And then when you get to retirement, that's when you can give back. That's when you can make a difference in the world. That's when you can volunteer your time, do humanitarian work, whatever. That's kind of the old school model. And, and certainly some people do that, but there's no reason you need to wait until you're retired to start impacting the world around you. And in fact, the younger generations are refusing. They're, they're just blatantly rejecting that kind of uh, an assumption about the world. And they're saying, no, I, what I do right now needs to matter. And if it doesn't, I don't want to do it. Well, and I want to just connect that to what you were talking about, about selling everything and living in a camper van with your six kids, <laughs> send pictures. <laughs> um, the, you know, what, what you went to right after that was, okay, maybe that's the ideal, but there's ways to accomplish the essence of that, the elements of that in your life today. And I think that's so important because, you know, back to this idea of the old model of I'm going to give back and make an impact once I retire doesn't work anymore for people. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. The answer isn't necessarily quit your job and you know, join the Peace Corps or you know, do something, or even quit your job and start your own business. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be the answer, but the answer is something that you need to craft and the right blend of activities and the right life for you in a way that's meaningful, which might still include a full-time job at a big corporation, but you operate in that job and you participate in that work in a way that works for you. So you've got time for those outside interests, whether that's to be a minimalist or to volunteer and make an impact at an outside organization. Maybe that is your path, as opposed to quitting and starting your own business or starting a nonprofit. Any of those is a fine journey, but it's about finding the right one for you. And I think, you know, just to tie this back into this idea of your inner tech and breaking the code, that requires breaking the code because so many of us have been programmed by that old school way, work hard, advance, create success. And this very external definition of the word success. And yeah. then you have the opportunity to do what you want. And so it's breaking through that code and saying, no, I'm going to do it the way that fits for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So actually, that's the next question I want to ask. Can you describe that acronym code? Um, because it fits with this technology metaphor in inner tech that we've been talking about, but it's an acronym as well. So pull that apart for us and describe that. 
Absolutely. So I exactly code is an acronym. So C stands for confront. You have to confront the parts of your life that are not working in the way you would like them to work today. It's so easy to just ignore those things that are kind of annoyances that you don't like, but you will continue to have it in your life as long as you tolerate it. So you've got to confront it and look at it. That's the C. O is for optimize. Optimize is about how do you change your thinking about what is and is not possible. Most people think based on that old way that you were talking about, right? Work hard, create success, move up the ladder, and then retirement is when I can do what I want to do. So you've got to confront those beliefs and start to optimize them and say, hey, what if there's a different way? What if I can do this in a way that works for me today? That leads into the D, which is design. So, okay, great. What if you could do it? Design what it looks like for you. Each person is different. Design how your life looks. And then if E is execute because you know having all of this is the plan. Then you got to take the steps and actually move forward and execute against it. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and that provides a really nice framework for how we can go about this inner work that's going to be super important in terms of ultimately better understanding how to unlock our, our own personal and leadership potential. Uh, there are so many things leaders can focus on. Uh, so many problems organizations face, so many different competencies and capabilities. Um, if you were to hone in on just one or two things that you think are most important, um, you know, the characteristics, the competencies, the capabilities that make a good leader, what would those be? I put them all under the category of being your best self, being the best person, the best version of you that you can be. You know, we talk about leaders having vision, leaders being influential, make, being good communicators, all of that. But leaders are in all different stripes and they come in all different forms. You know, I mean, you just think about social leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. or Rosa Parks, two quite different people. And then how do you contrast someone like that with a business leader like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? Again, totally different kinds of people, all very influential in the world and having a big impact in the world. So there's no one formula. I really don't believe that. But how do you bring the best of yourself? And that requires some of this introspection work. It actually requires slowing down. Most of us think leaders are busy all the time. And in fact, being busy is a sign of how important you are in our society, right? Oh, it's like, I was so busy. I pulled an all-nighter. I did this, I did that. But being a good leader, being effective requires you to slow down so that you can find what matters to you. You can learn how to articulate that and present it to the world. So the one other uh, attribute I just think, or maybe there's two here that are so important. Uh, one is authenticity, which is being willing to let people see you and what matters to you. And the third piece that goes with that is courage, because it really does take courage to stand up and say, this is what matters to me. This is what I stand for. And you know, a lot of people aren't sure what they stand for. They feel uncomfortable saying it out loud, even if they do know. So it requires that willingness to step forward and have that courage to say, this matters and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it. Yeah, I, th I think those are great things to focus on. And like I said, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things. And ultimately, each individual has to decide where their gaps are, where their strengths lie, uh, and where they want to focus their time and energy, which is limited. Uh, we don't have an infinite supply and we can't change everything about ourselves overnight. Like th these are things that uh, take time. We, we have to 
to, to build the muscle of leadership and to build these competencies and capabilities. Um, so it's, it's not just going to happen with a snap of the fingers. We do have to be committed to it. We have to be consistent with it. Um, but over time, we absolutely can become the kind of leader that we want to be. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in growth mindset, abundance mindset. I'm a firm believer uh, that if, if we are committed and put in the time, we can unlock our true potential. And I, I think most of us aren't living up to our potential. Um, there, it, it's always amazing to me what we can accomplish when we really have consistent effort over time and are clear-eyed about what we're trying to, to do, uh, willing to make the pivots along the way. And I think what you just said is so important, all right? Like we as people have so much potential. Every day that you wake up, you have a whole day of your time, your energy, your attention, your effort that you can direct in any place that you want to. And most of us direct it in the same place that we directed it yesterday and the day before and the week before because we're creatures of habit, right? We tend to repeat the same thing over and again. As you said, with some intention, right? And we're just thinking about this growth mindset and an abundance mindset, there's amazing things that can be accomplished in this world by you. And part of this, part of this journey of breaking the code is to start to see yourself as that person. How do you start to see? And one of the examples I use in my book is, you know, imagine that you earn your salary, whatever that is, just for simplicity and round numbers, I'll say it's $100,000. Let's say you make $100,000 you see yourself as the kind of person who makes $100,000. You could go get another job making $100,000. What would it take to see yourself as a $300,000 person? Uh, and that most people would say, oh, that's not me. Like I, I, that's, I don't make that much money, right? It's, it's, it, it's a question of how do you see yourself? But is it possible? Of course, do people out in the world make $300,000? Yes. I bet there's even people doing the same kind of work you do who make $300,000. So it's nothing that's really standing in your way other than how you see yourself. And that is where we all sell ourselves short. I just want everyone to see themselves as a $300,000 person or a $500,000 person or a million dollar person. I'm using dollars because it's an easy example, but think about translate that into abundance and wealth in the world in all the ways that matter to you in terms of relationships, in terms of impact, in terms of parenting, any of those areas, right? Think about what would it look like in your life to have multiples of the level of satisfaction and impact and fulfillment that you have today and get creative about that, get curious about it because it's possible. The only thing standing in your way is your imagination and your willingness, your courage to step forward and go take action to make it happen. Yeah, and we all have limiting beliefs. Um, that are built upon our, our upbringing, our background, our failures, you know, the things that we've lived, um, they, they impact the way we view the world and frame the world. And, and in many cases, those are limiting beliefs that ultimately we have to, to cast away. Um, and that's not easy to do. There's a reason we have them. <laughs> in many cases, yeah. they're defense mechanisms. In many cases, it's, it's, it's the result of, of childhood trauma or trauma earlier in our lives, um, those aren't easy things to overcome, but they are overcomable. And ultimately, you know, recognizing that we, we are within a particular context and you, you and I have privilege um, that other people don't have. And, you know, some people are very disadvantaged. Other people have different types of privileges. We have to recognize the context matters, but we also need to recognize within the context that we have, we can start to abandon some of those limiting beliefs and we can take 
responsibility for our life and we can make it what we want it to be. Now, does that mean that someone who grew up in the projects inner city um, with all these disadvantages that they had the same opportunities as Bezos or Elon Musk? And no, I mean, clearly they're in different worlds and they had different contexts, but through perseverance, resilience and grit and through jettisoning those those limiting beliefs, can they still have a very fulfilling, successful, enriching life? Absolutely. Everyone can. I'm a true believer of that um, if we can get past those limiting beliefs. And I just want to add one piece to that. And it was actually in a conversation yesterday talking about someone who's built and grown multiple successful businesses. And the one he's doing now, he said, you know, it's just, it feels so easy because what I'm doing is totally in line with what I believe with believe in. And I'm taking a stand for what I believe in. When people are encouraging me to cut corners, oh, it would be more efficient to do this, or this is the way everyone else is doing it. He says, no, that's not what I'm doing because this is what matters. And by standing in his principles, by being his best self, by being true to himself, other people are attracted to that. And they say, oh, this guy is doing something different. And they want to work with him. And they come to him and they say, oh, this thing that initially I thought was a pain in the neck because you're doing it differently than everybody else. I understand why you're doing that and I respect it and I want to support you in it. So he's finding that opportunities show up, people, resources show up in his life because he is standing for what he believes in. And this is back to this idea of breaking the code. This is not about trying to measure up to someone else's version of success. This is finding your version of success. And when you do that, as you said, context matters, but when you're really true to yourself, you do often find that it's not nearly as hard as you thought and people show up to help you along the way. And we all need help. Um, and we all need mm -hmm. to surround ourselves with people who are better, smarter, more capable than us. Uh, that's the, the surefire way to success is to just build our networks and build meaningful, authentic relationships, seek help, build your personal board of directors, uh, and, and try, and it's okay. You know, failure is only failure if you don't learn from it and move on. Right. And so just learn, grow. And over time we can truly lean into our best selves. Well, Rusty, it has just been a pleasure. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners, how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is check out my website at rustygaylord.com. And the, it's R-U-S-T-Y-G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. That's my name, Rusty Gaylord. Uh, go connect with me there. I'm pretty active and uh, love to meet new people and connect with them. So that's, those are the best ways to reach me. Uh, you can also check out my, my book is uh, Breaking the Code. So if you, it's on Amazon and on Audible. So if you go to either of those places, I encourage you to search for Breaking the Code Rusty because there are a number of books with the same title. So if you put Breaking the Code Rusty, it'll be easier to find it that way. Perfect. Thank you, Rusty. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Rusty can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different 
than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.